Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast. This is episode 62. We're recording Wednesday, August 26th, 2020. And I'm one of your hosts, Chris Stern, in the host chair for the very first time. Uh, This week, we will break down all of the games announced at DC Fandom over the weekend, new Nintendo Switch Pro rumors, and Codblop's Cold War customer confusion, because we love talking about customers and (laughs) consumer rights here on the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast. Goddamn right. Joining me today, the voice you've already heard is my usual co-host, John Swanson. How are you doing, John? Good, man. How are you doing? I know you're sweating and not necessarily just because it's your first time hosting, but also because you're probably in like, what is the temperature of the room you're in? Did you even check? I don't have a thermostat uh, because I don't, have, the best. I don't have central air, but I, I've been in this room for all of 20 minutes and my armpits are dripping, <laughs> nice. which is a beautiful visual for everyone listening. Yeah, for um, sure. AJ can't join us this week because he got lost in a mythical forest while looking for a legendary sword. I hope he makes it out by next episode. For sure. Just follow the Triforce, dude. <laughs> Wisdom and the other two that I can't remember. Strength. Courage. There you go. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's basically the north point of a compass. So, Oh, there you go. We're going to start out with the lowdown. If you want to be a part of the conversation or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. If you don't use Twitter, you can send an email the old-fashioned way to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. And conveniently enough, mostlynormalgamers.com is our website that is live. Go there and check it out. See if you can spot any differences coming soon. Yeah. Maybe some updates. Maybe. We'll have to see. Um, John, I would like to segue into our starting segment with what we're playing. John, what are you playing this week? I finally rolled credit credits on uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which it was awesome. Uh, I was really wavering there towards the beginning, thinking I would kind of get tired of it because the combat, if you are kind of like one of those people who doesn't main path it and does like a ton of side missions first and level up your character, kind of like I am, uh, you got a little OP early and I was just kicking the shit out of everyone, but the game really does a good job of, I mean, I kind of wanted to call it level scaling because it is ostensibly that, but you aren't, you aren't leveled and neither are your opponents, but, um, it's, it feels very similar and very well balanced, kind of like Assassin's Creed Odyssey was, except in that game, you saw the numbers such as you were level 57 and your opponent was level 54 or whatever. Um, but this game definitely reaches a balance where if you go in like sword swinging towards like the middle to the end of the game, you're in some serious trouble. And the ending was fantastic, man. Like I had, I didn't have a lot of faith in where it was going story-wise and not only the main story, but also the um, ancillary stories. Um, I think there's about four different characters that you interact with and um, like kind of main side characters that you have missions for to complete. Um, Those stories are really well told and kind of impactful in each of their own rights as well as the main story. And the game's just beautiful, man. Like I envision if I go to heaven, this is what I want it to look like, like ghost of Tsushima without 
the Mongols trying to kill me all the time. You just want fields in Japan that stretch on forever. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just beautiful, dude. Like, I mean, you, I could just ride my horse around in that game forever and not even think about it. It's so, um, it's just beautiful. As I think I made fun of myself last week, might as well continue the trend. Uh, if you follow my Twitter, I post like every time I play that game, I probably post at least four or five pictures of shit that I see. So, uh, just cause I think it's that beautiful. So, well, those have been a really, really helpful, peaceful, pristine, beautiful break from everything that is on my timeline. So they are yeah. very much appreciated this week. Yeah. Yeah. I know with the world, like kind of, and especially after, uh, last of us part two, not only the things going on in our country right now but also the last of us part two didn't really wasn't candy canes and rainbows you know what i mean so playing a game like this it's not only beautiful but just it, it has a serious story but it's not quite as uh i don't know what word to use to describe it it doesn't bring me down i guess um nearly as much as the last of us did so uh it's nice to have a little bit of respite from serious story telling yeah so it's now like i'm it headed towards the landing the too What's a, oh yeah, man. It, like it gets better towards the end. Like I was very, like I said, I was a little bit, uh, kind of wondering where it would go, if it would be, have a strong ending or if it would just kind of be a fun game to play. But I would compare it to like Assassin's Creed, a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. The gameplay probably isn't quite as good, but the story is way better. Um, so I think it's fantastic. It's my game of the year so far. Um, Awesome. So, I know yeah, there's take that uh, for what it's worth. a lot of stiff competition this year for that position as well. Yeah. I've had a lot of games that, I mean, for a year that it were, you know, surrounded by horrible things happening and at every turn, like, I guess I wasn't anticipating a lot of games to be coming out, but, uh, we're having a surprisingly good year this year for yeah, games, for I, games. Let yeah, me be very like specific, a very narrow specific <laughs> thing i think it's really amazing because usually in a console generation switch over year i don't i just remember like growing up and reading egm and being like oh like this year there's just no big exciting games coming out but that's because the next generation of systems is coming out especially like gamecube ps2 xbox era um but at least on sony's end they're coming out guns blazing still like (laughs) they're sprinting through the finish line. Yeah. And I I think that's, that's awesome, man. I'm with you. I kind of didn't, I, this was like a time where I kind of thought I would be catching up on my backlog and I might be doing that into next gen too. We'll see what like the next first quarter of next year looks like, but, uh, cause they've already had delays with, um, Halo infinite and death loop. So who knows what's next? Um, but yeah, it's it's been a surprisingly good year for games. Deathloop was such a harsh blow for me. That w- that game would have probably tipped me over to getting a PS5. Yeah. I'm I, yeah, I, I I hadn't watched a ton on it. It didn't really sell me. I do like arcane games. I did like Dishonored 1 and 2. I don't really like that uh I can't remember who, but I saw some or heard somebody refer to it as whale punk, which that <laughs> <laughs> was kind of a good term for it i couldn't really think like it's kind of steampunky but whale punk is a very good description of it i think and uh, yeah it runs on whale oil so yeah 
makes there you go. perfect sense. But they're kind of bringing it into this, like a more, uh, what do you want to say? Like a sci-fi kind of area sounded pretty cool to me, yeah. but it'll be here eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, and I I can be patient with that game. I still haven't played Whale Punk 2 um, yet. That's part of my massive Xbox backlog. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to whet my appetite while I wait with, with some Dishonored 2, hopefully at some point here. Yeah, I'm um, with you, man. I bought uh, Death of the Outsider um, a couple weeks ago when they had it on sale on PlayStation. So, I, I mean, again, I have plenty of games in my backlog to get to. Um, so I'm fine with games getting delayed. It doesn't really bother me too much. Let's just delay them all for two years. Yeah, dude. We'll I mean, up. I don't think I would have a problem with that, man. I mean, I, I, I have so much that I could, could play. Um, you know, I'd be mostly disappointed that new, if new indies came out and, but we didn't have any like triple A releases for two years, I would be too, I would be totally fine with that. So I yeah, know. I think I agree Maybe with that's that. Just me. Uh, Are you playing anything I'm else playing this week? Just that Impossible Lair game, the ukulele and the Impossible Lair. I've talked about it the last couple of weeks, and I, I think I'm almost to the end. So I'll just I'll talk more about it next week um, in detail. But awesome. uh, yeah, how about yourself? <laughs> Other than playing Animal Crossing Happy Apartment Decorator, um, which is my fun. Is that a one. real thing? No, it's oh. my fun way of describing moving furniture in and then out of an apartment for a week and a half. Um, <laughs> I've been participating in the cultural event that is blaze ball, blase ball or blaze ball. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure how to pronounce it, but, uh, after it's three week hiatus, the commissioner reopened the season for oh, sweet. season four. I want to say, um, Shows you how fake of a fan I am that I don't know that. Um, <laughs> and so I decided to jump two feet in instead of just dipping a toe in. I've been spending time betting on blaze ball. Um, and so if people aren't familiar with it, it's a text-based, very simple UI web browser game where different teams in the internet league blaze ball competition face off in basically baseball with some interesting variations to it but it has this amazing community that sprung up around it because it's simplistic enough and vague enough that everyone is filling in the gaps and backstories of these players with lore and fan art and some of that stuff is being incorporated into the events of the game um, I get these wonderful summary emails that talk about like how we're now in the feedback era because a microphone during some interviews ripped a, ripped the fabric of reality in half and created a team of infinite uh, numbers of players. I believe it was on the tacos. Anyways, I <laughs> um, am officially from Chicago because I root for the Chicago firefighters um, and they are at the top of the lawful good uh what is they called in sports oh man i wish i division yeah thank you <laughs> they're at the top of the lawful good division this season which is really great um they are not quite at the top of the entire league but it's just been a really fun thing to kind of like spend time making bets and 
Um, I haven't spent that much time in the Discord, but it's been fun to like follow along as people get really excited when uh, different players make big plays or somebody gets... Uh, so feedback, there are certain games that have feedback as a weather condition. And during those, there's a chance at the end that a player on each team gets swapped with one another, which is really intense. Um, I don't know. It's it's really, really great. I don't understand it that deeply, but <laughs> I don't think anybody does, man. I'm starting to like try and wade my way further into it after just doing some like really simplistic betting during season three when I first started checking it out. And I just think it's yeah. like completely wacky. Um, it reminds me of my girlfriend has this article that she really, really loves from a couple of years ago. It might've been a dead spin article, but it's called the future of football. And it's kind of this like absurdist science fiction take on football and Blazeball, like the weekly summary email of what happened in each season reminds me so much of that. Um, and it's kind of this like great little treat, even if I don't follow everything close enough to actually have seen it in the moment, it has like all of these cool nuggets of like weird lore and like universe building that are really kind of like chewy and fun to think about. What do you gamble? Like it's... You so there's like an in-game currency. Um, okay. And yeah, it's, it's completely free to play. They have a Patreon for people to support them on. Um, they're coming out with some official merch and yeah, it's, it's just very, very surreal in the yeah. best possible way. Have you checked it out at all? No, I was actually just trying to, I think the first time I looked at it was at work. And then you know how that goes. It, it's a firewall. <laughs> then I think I can go to like the first page, but then anything after that is blocked. So, um, yeah, I want to check it out more. I, I'm so inter intrigued by like how it's coded to do all these random things, like because it is so random. It is. I don't. I know very little about it. Also, but I, what I do know about it is how fucking random it is, uh, with all the factors that are at play. Um, mostly unbeknownst to the people paying attention to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it is so perfectly balanced on like this razor's edge of being approachable because it's basically baseball. Right. And being incredibly mysterious and strange and weird so that you can like, just kind of get your foot in the door and kind of be like, what's going on in this weird blaze ball community. And then you can tumble infinitely down the fan art and lore rabbit holes. Um, there's an entire wiki dedicated to the lore that people are coming up with. And it has summaries of all the past seasons in it and stuff like that. Um, so if people are looking for some good reading and a fun way to kind of, you know, spend time on their phones or tablets or, you know, any other place that you can browse the web, I recommend checking blaze ball out for sure. Right on. Yeah. And go firefighters. I don't really sure. know what the team cheers are other than we're from Chicago, but <laughs> I, I want to see them do well during the postseason this weekend. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I didn't Haiti win the last one. I don't, I don't remember. I oh, think, okay. um, 
anyways, <laughs> I, I wish that I knew these things off the top of my head, John, because it would make me seem like such a truer <laughs> Blazeball fan. I don't think it, I mean, if people look at it though, by listening to you talking about it, they won't know any more than you do. Like, I mean, they might be able to look up who the last like three season championship champions were, but I feel like they won't have any more of an understanding of the game than you do. You know That's what I mean? Cause it's that random. Definitely true. The thing that I really like about it and the reason that you place bets is because there's also a store where you can buy like increases to the amount of money you make every time your team that you're a fan of wins. Or um, there's the Fairweather flute for 2,000 coins that lets you switch your team allegiance one time if you decide that you want a bandwagon for somebody else. Nice. Um, which I refuse to ever do. But you yeah. can also buy votes, and there's an entire election at the end of every season where you can try and earn blessings for your players, or you can also impact like the entire reality and rule set of the sport. And so um, there's a peanut storm and people with peanut allergies happening and all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff that have come out of these kind of reality altering elections that happen at the end of the game. And you can buy more votes for a hundred coins each. And so teams like coordinate on their discord and say, okay, we're all going to vote for the tame the tigers thing, which I think like takes the, takes five of the, players on the tigers which is a really good team this season and disperses them randomly to other teams um or things like that like there's all of these strategies happening if you really want to get down in the weeds as part of the community nice well, what do you say we get into some news let's dive into the news pool Did you pay a lot of attention to fandom? I paid very little attention to the fandom because my best friend was getting married this weekend. Oh, um, oh right. But there were three announcements that bubbled up to the surface um, enough to catch my attention. The first was the trailer for The Batman, which uh, I listened to on mute on a phone during the um, very, very small after wedding dinner. I don't know if you call it a reception when it's just 10 people at a restaurant, but um, that caught my eye. And then the first piece of news that really stood out to me was that Gotham Knights is going to be WB Games Montreal's new Arkham-esque game that is not in the Arkham universe. Um, we're pulling this info from Jonathan Dornbush over at IGN. And, uh, I believe also Joe Scrabbles, uh, just recently put up an article called all our biggest questions answered about Gotham Knights. Um, but I want to start out with saying like, what was your main takeaway from that announcement? Did you catch it? I know there was a gameplay trailer as well as kind of a sort of like cinematic tone setting trailer. Did you catch any of that? Yeah. Well, I just watched the, I had already heard about the suicide squad and I kind of got the inclination that that was a game as a service. So I don't really, and we can talk about that in a few minutes, but uh, this one 
looks really sweet. Uh, and also, anytime I see four distinct characters like fighting together, I'm like, oh, game as a service. But this one apparently isn't a game as a service. Yeah, and so kind of diving into that article from Joe Scrabbles, uh, the exact title, Gotham Knights, Our Biggest Questions Answered. Um, he had the chance to sit down with creative director Patrick Redding and senior producer Fleur Marty, who answered questions that were kind of lingering in the air. I know for a long time before this article came out, everyone thought, oh, well, this is also going to be a games as service game or have those live service elements baked into it. Um, but I'm just going to read a couple of the standout questions that he asked. Um, what do enemy levels mean to the player then? Um, this is after him finding out that it is a fully open world city and that there's no level gating. Uh, Patrick Redding answers, it's true that as you're getting more powerful in your progression, you're going to see a sliding scale in terms of not just the level of the enemies, but even some of the types of enemies that you're going to be coming up against. But it's not a grind. It's not a situation where you'll say, oh God, I have to go grind this type of mission in order to level up to this, and then I can get this. It's really that when you encounter open world crime activities and other activities that involve the AI, you're going to see a range, right? You might see guys that are a little bit weaker than you and guys that are a little bit stronger than you and how you approach each of those situations. It presents you with some choices that you're going to have to make. Like, is this a situation where I'm going to maybe swap out a piece of equipment because I think I'm going to handle it better that way? Do I want to take a more stealthy approach, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that sounds really interesting. I like the idea of keeping a range of difficulties presented to you as your character gets stronger and representing that in a really like quick, visually recognizable way by having enemy levels. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I'm just, they're doing a good job of toting the line, uh, between not calling it a service game and calling it a service game. I'm just, I guess the idea of like saying it's not, a grind like oh, I have to grind this type of mission in order to level up to do that that I mean I would only think that if it was going to be a service game you know like I was just saying with Ghost of Tsushima like you come across uh, a group of Mongols and whether you're in the south part of the island or the north part they're going to differ in their uh, difficulty uh, just because the the way the game's set up as you progress so is it more like that, but they have numbers above their head? You know what I mean? So I didn't feel like I had to go grind out like weaker guys because that wouldn't, I'm not leveling up. So, but I'm guessing here you're kind of getting leveling and then it's points kind of like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. If you're familiar with that or Origins, I feel like that's maybe a good comparison if it's not a service game then to understand the combat system and how do you approach combat, I guess which I'm, I'm all for that. And I, the idea that it's four different, distinctly different characters is awesome, man. Like that would mean that you could, I mean, the story might be the same, but you could play all four different characters and have a different approach to each, each time you played through. And I, I know the gameplay trailer said that it was 12 hours into the, whatever character they were showing into their storyline or whatever. So, are we talking about like a 
20 hour game for each character. That's intense. Yeah. And something that I didn't realize until I saw this article was um, because I didn't catch the gameplay video. I only watched the reveal trailer um, initially was that it's a two player co-op maximum. And so I think it'd be really cool to see the different ways that the four characters kind of mix and match together. And if their play styles kind of complement each other in different ways. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like the different ways, like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not very like terribly familiar with different, like you're not deep characters. in the bat family lore. No. So I, I recognized Robin and then, um, uh, and there's Nightwing, was, Nightwing uh, yep. Deadpool. So, oh yeah. Blue not, Deadpool. Yeah. My favorite Batman that, character. No, the red guy. What's the red guy? Uh Deadshot? No, it's not Deadshot. No, Hold on. He's from he's from so my Batman fandom runs out right at that question. <laughs> he's the Red Hood. Oh yeah. So I thought Red Hood was Deadpool. But anyway, my point is like exactly what you're saying. Like it'd be Well, he's like, he's Deadpool without a sense of humor. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> unfunny deadpool that would have made a great movie and fewer sports uh, yeah um yes very um, serious very serious deadpool but it, is it is like playing with robin and nightwing like distinctly different like than playing with robin and the one we were just talking about you know what i mean red hood red hood yeah such like, a memorable they, superhero name yeah can they combine like their powers to do cool shit. Like I think it sounds really cool, man. And I'm stoked. It's not a uh, game as a service. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because you can definitely see the ways in which I would argue the defining thing that was new to the last generation of video games was games as service as the, its own pillar of the industry and certain design aspects to that, like RPG elements and co-op existed outside of games as service. And then when they became live games, those things were used as hooks to get people to keep coming back over and over again. And I think if you right. take the live game element out of this, you can still have those hooks and say, there's ability trees. You have one for each different character and you have co-ops. So you have a reason to come back over and over again to this game and it will scale the difficulty. Um, maybe not in the co-op experience, although one would hope that it would do it that way, but to the level or the abilities that the character you have has unlocked so far. I right. think it sounds really interesting. I think it is yeah. really bold to make a Batman game with no Batman. Um, yeah. And I'm a little confused as to why it's not a part of the Arkham universe. Um, I don't know. Maybe because we got what three or four of those games already. I suppose I just, you know, in a era of extended universes and cinematic universes, it seemed like a logical thing to me, but speaking of yeah. extended universes, suicide killed the justice league. Rocksteady's new game that was fully revealed finally in the form of what looked like a cinematic trailer that established the tone of the game yeah. is going to be in that Arkham universe. It's like video killed the radio star, but like comic book version <laughs> slash video game version. Yeah. 
What did you, you might be too young to get that reference, but hopefully somebody out there got it. I mean, I, I know the song. The song's a bop. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I didn't know if there was another reference I wasn't getting. No, no. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, so, one other thing I wanted to mention. Just wrote, That game was announced. The uh, whatever, or, or Gotham Knights was announced for 2021. Yes. Whereas Suicide Squad, uh, 2022, man. Which did you catch that? Isn't that Suicide like Squad. seven years? Seven, yeah. Since, since Arkham, Arkham Knight, whatever. Yeah. Arkham Knight, Gotham Knights, and Arkham Knight is gonna be my big stumbling block. Oh yeah, the next year used to that man game comes out. Um, so twenty twenty two. I am fascinated that they could be working on a game for seven years and be five years into that cycle and only show a CG trailer. I know, man, right? They would have had to have had ideas and been well into the progress of another game at least once or twice by now and dropped it, right? That's yeah. the only way I can possibly think that uh, you can go seven years without developing a game. And I know I had heard somewhere, and I don't have a source to cite, we're pulling most of our information about Suicide Squad from an article from Matt Kim at IGN. Um, shout out to Matt Kim. But I remember hearing that there was another Suicide Squad game that was canceled prior to this being started by Rocksteady. And so I'm wondering if there was just kind of like a false start with the IP and then Rocksteady came in and said, you know, we'll take a crack at it. Um, what do you think of it being an action adventure shooter? Whatever. Whatever. Are you I, I, interested in this game? No, I, dude, when I hear a game's a live service game, my brain like pretty much instantaneously shuts off. Like I don't, it, I'm not going to say I don't have time for it. One, like, and maybe someday you'll like, like my video game time is limited and I, I can't be, can't count on not being interrupted. You know what I mean? Like, there are times when I'm needed and have to pause. So the idea of me like playing a game for an hour uninterrupted and knowing that I can do that is like not very likely. And I just don't like more power to you. If you're playing like destiny two and that's your jam or division two, or you're stoked about Avengers and want to like grind that shit. Like, I heard the other day there's like, what is it? 12 or 15 different types of, or maybe it's 11 different types of uh, things that you can gather, like materials you can gather in Avengers in order to build up your character. And I just don't, that's just not my thing, man. Uh, so I'm more proud to you if it is, but if I, uh, you know, played a game like that, I would just take away from, the games that I already barely have enough time for that I do really like. So when I hear games as service, I'm just like, no, thanks. How about yourself? Are you stoked for it? Does it like look different enough from destiny division or Avengers to like strike an interest for you? It doesn't look like the thing about this trailer is you can kind of extrapolate out what they want the game to look like it will play like but i have no idea you know like yeah 
it looks like you're shooting mobs of mind controlled alien purple things and then you'll go do a raid boss against superman um and i have never been a huge huge suicide squad fan um I was super bummed out by that first movie. I found it to be pretty miserable. Um, Harley Quinn is not my favorite DC character by a long shot. Um, And I just don't know if the tone of this game is going to hit right for me. Um, Did you find any moments in this trailer to be like particularly laugh out loud funny or anything like that? (laughs) No, no. But I also, again, I'm my like knowledge of comics is pretty minimal. And I, I mean, I like them, but I just don't read them that frequently. So, and again, I'm not huge into DC. I like Batman, but I don't really care for Superman or anything having to do with Superman as a superhero. So I never really found the Suicide Squad that intriguing. Um, I never saw the movie. Oh, and the Snyder cut is coming out of that is apparently like four hours long. Um, of the justice league. Yeah. So yeah, let me here, let me, Oh yeah. I thought that was suicide squad for some reason. Let me give you, we're going to, so first of all, I'm going to try and put my positivity hat on the use of bombs over Baghdad in this trailer. Got me hyped. That song's incredible. I am a little bit angry that it's associated with the Suicide Squad now, but I was just happy to hear Outcast rapping. I love them. Yeah. Two, I think the trailer does a really good job of showing you the ways in which, even if this is a third-person shooter multiplayer game, the ways in which each character will be differentiated from one another. You've got boomerangs and super speed and big burly... Um, what is this character? It's like a big crocodile, alligator, shark. It reminds me of street sharks from when I was a kid. King shark is his name. Um, So like Captain Boomerang um, obviously looks like he will play significantly differently than King shark than Deadshot. Harley Quinn looks maybe like she's more agile. I don't know to like what extent Harley Quinn and Deadshot will be too different from each other, but you know, for the most part, outside of their Batmobile segments in Arkham Knight, I trust Rocksteady to create a great game. And yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah, I think the if you were going to sit me down in a room and have this be the game, right? This is their game but you were going to try and sell it to me as a person who is skeptical of games as a service and doesn't particularly care for the suicide squad. This is their Superman game. I bet you that they were trying to come up with a way to make a Superman game that is fun, which has been historically impossible to do because Superman is so powerful. And they kind of took the injustice vibe and said, what if you make the super powerful superhero that everyone admires into the villain that you are trying to take down. And now he's the hardest boss fight you've ever had. And I think there is something really, really creative, even though it is a common trope in comics. I mean, just look at like, I mean, 
I haven't read Superman Red Sun, but it's an alternate universe where he was raised by the Russians, as an example, in communist Russia. Um, like, I think it is a very smart way to tackle. We want to make a game with Superman in it, but he is too strong to make a video game about. And if you came at me with that as the sales pitch, even though it's as loopy and like, it's like tying yourself in knots to sell this game to me, that would do it. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, that's the problem with Superman, right? He can do too many things. He's Superman. So he's, he's too powerful to have a weakness, I guess. So I do want to get, you know, his weakness is that he's just the nicest. Um, some quick <laughs> Superman comic shout outs. Um, I was a huge Superman skeptic for a really long time. And then I read All-Star Superman, um, which is in, I have a two hardcover collection of it. It was a 12 issue run. Um, I believe it's Grant Morrison, but I want to double check that. Um, it's fantastic and made me fall in love with Superman. Right on. So highly recommend it. Um, you could probably get it from your local library. The library has comic books? It does. It has graphic novels. All-Star That's Superman awesome. is um, Grant Morrison and drawn by Frank Whiteley. Um, but that um, the premise of that comic is that they amplify his powers up to 15 and make him even more powerful. And somehow that makes me like him more than I had in the past. Um, anyways, moving on from Superman to the, I think probably biggest announcement of the last few days was today. Activision finally revealed call of duty, black ops, cold war, um, which is a direct sequel to the first call of duty, black ops game coming from Treyarch and Raven out here in, I think they're based technically in Middleton, but out of Madison, Wisconsin is Raven. Um, shout out. Yeah, special shout out to all of them. Um, but the thing that stands out to me from this game, other than the fact that it has Ronald Reagan in it, um, <laughs> is how confusing it is going to be to buy a cross-generational version of this game or just any version of this game. Um Yep. There are so many different SKUs. <laughs> yeah, so they're going the route of if you want to play it this gen and next gen, you got to pay 70 bucks, or you can pay 60 bucks to play it this gen. And they didn't announce a price, I don't think, for the game just on next gen if you wanted to wait for just that. But I think it's the 70 bucks, man. So, yeah, so um, we're pulling some of this info from a VG 24-7 article that summarized all the stuff that was announced, it was written by Stephanie Nunnally. Um, and there will be three editions available for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, she says. On the PlayStation Store, Microsoft Store, and Battle.net Store, it's already up for pre-order. Um, there is a $60 standard edition, and then they have what they're calling a cross-gen bundle digital option that is dollars and allows you to download the next gen version at no extra cost when it launches. But that's very clearly a $10 extra cost that's baked in. Um, right. And I believe I saw a tweet out from, I think like a Twitter account called call of duty news, which is like an official verified Twitter account. Um, that says if you buy the physical version on PlayStation four, 
you can pay $10 to upgrade to the PS5 version. If you buy, I want to actually find this tweet quick just to make sure I get it right. Cause it was so mind bendingly confusing that I think it's really important to talk through what the physical edition of this game has in store for people. <laughs> I don't know, man. I know when, uh, we were in between the PS3 and PS4 era when we were transitioning. If you had a copy of, say, Assassin's Creed Black Flag on PlayStation 3, you could put the PS3 disc in your PS4 and then pay a $10 fee and it would download the PS4 version of the game. So I feel like that would be a much more widely accepted uh, policy for companies to have than this current one that they're having and we had the I, I'm not sure if we discussed it on our podcast or not but uh, Control doing the Ultimate Edition which is like 40 bucks and Control's a great game don't get me wrong and I I might play it for a little bit if I were able to on the PS5 just to see ray tracing and stuff because I'm sure it looks fantastic but um, I'm not paying another $40 to you know I already paid 60 plus the DLC paying for the DLC so yeah, I mean, $10, like, <laughs> comparing it to buying the, you know, ultimate edition of Control makes it seem like a good deal almost. Um, but in a world where, you know, you have the smart delivery promise of the Xbox One or Series X, it makes anything else look really painful and confusing. And so um, from at Charlie Intel, uh, the Call of Duty news check-marked um, verified Twitter account. Um, for everyone planning to get a physical edition, physical standard of PS4 will upgrade to PS5 for $10. Physical standard of Xbox One cannot upgrade to Xbox Series X. Physical standard of PS5 only includes the PS5 version. Physical standard of Xbox Series X includes an Xbox One copy. So is that okay. confusing at all? <laughs> Yeah, just a tad. What game is that again? That's for the Call of Duty... Black Ops? Black Ops Cold War. Wow, man, that is super confusing. I wonder why that is. That's so weird. And there's no smart delivery, and it's different for the digital version, right? Because you're getting this digital bundle version, which is the cross-generational bundle. How many different SKUs of this game are getting created? I don't know. I mean, you just said like six to eight, didn't you? I know. And so in a world where, <laughs> where Microsoft says in a world where in a world where Microsoft says through smart delivery, you'll buy a game once and own it in its best available form forever. Just like PC gamers have been doing for the last 20 years on steam. <laughs> exactly. You have <laughs> like taking a step back, I understand that Remedy maybe didn't sell gangbusters amounts of control, even though it became like IGN's game of the year last year, right? I haven't bought it yet. I will happily buy the Series X version of Control Ultimate Edition. I'm not worried about it being smart delivery because I don't own it yet. And so I'll just wait because I was going to wait to play it on Series X anyways, right? But now you have Activision coming through and setting up a confusing, seri confusing series of bear traps of making sure you buy the right version or paying for an upgrade. Or if I buy the physical Xbox One version, I cannot upgrade it, but I can on the PS4. It's just very, very baffling to me. Yeah, it's very confusing, man. But best to look to you Call of Duty fans out there. 
this is one of those moments where I'm really glad that I'm not one. But then I sit back and reflect, right? And like, I'm thinking about the people who get a PS5 or an Xbox Series X as like a cool holiday gift this year. And they're ready to play Call of Duty as like the big game for it. Having that cross-gen upgrade like would have been sick because say they were already playing it. Like I definitely see the appeal of it. And, you know, Call of Duty, like Black Ops is one of the biggest pillars of the Call of Duty, you know, three-year cycle. It's like arguably the most popular one. And, you know, I think it's a really huge deal to have a Black Ops game coming out the same time as the next generation of systems. Like, I think this could be really huge for the next gen systems. Um, And I just wish it was a little more straightforward to get it to be uh, marketed in a straightforward way about how to have it as a cross-generational game. Yeah. Oh, well. Speaking of confusion and cross-generations and marketing, none of those things necessarily have to do with the fact that there's a rumor now that a new Nintendo Switch model will be launching in 2021. Um, We're pulling this from Matt Perslow over at IGN. Um, There's been a series of kind of leaks and rumors surrounding uh, the long rumored switch pro um and it looks like it's looking at an early 2021 release possibly in first quarter that would be crazy man i'm i'm all for it like i don't i i don't know i i love this tech man it's it's badass obviously otherwise i probably wouldn't do this but uh i i know for a fact i would probably buy one Unless there was a compelling reason not to, as in this year, Nintendo has not, you know, we heard that rumored Mario collection coming out for the 35th anniversary of Mario, and we haven't heard any more about that. They just dropped a kind of went went uh, indie direct or a Nintendo direct mini today. Partners, uh, mini. partners, mini. Nintendo yeah, direct. exactly. And partner direct. You're soaked about some of those games, but that's just not like it was like mostly rhythm games and just stuff that's not in my wheelhouse at all. And I don't think is going to be insanely popular out there. So I just, I don't know if they announce it alongside breath of the wild too. even that man, like I didn't really like breath of the wild. So I don't know, but I'll still probably buy one. Say it runs the Witcher in 1080p, like native on that screen, like on your handheld screen, then I would consider it. Uh, you know, at like 60 frames per second, 1080p on a tiny screen like that. Fuck yeah, I'll get one. For but, me, it's a harder decision to make just because with next gen hitting like, what, like four months before at the longest, like I feel like my budget for a new system is going to be dedicated to one of those two. And I already have a Switch. And as long as it runs Breath of the Wild 2 as well as my current Switch, like, or as well as Breath of the Wild 1 on my current Switch, I think I'm going to just stick. Oh, it's so hard. Like, you have to understand. Do you remember when they came out with the Nintendo Switch box changeover where they had upgraded 
the processor so that it was like slightly yep. more battery efficient. And I got that one. I traded in my yeah, old I, switch. Yeah, I did one. too. I fell right into that bear trap because I was like, you're telling me I can get more battery life out of my switch and that it might run games at like a slightly better frame rate possibly. Yeah. I jumped at it. Um, and that's primarily because I use my switch as a, a portable system. And so having that extra battery life really mattered to me. But yeah, I don't. I I don't know if like punching it up to like, I mean, I don't know where tied into the rumors that are swirling around the Switch Pro, but one would imagine they're not going to do 4K visuals on a screen that small. It literally like you won't be able to tell, right? I don't like, so my guess is I don't know that they make a screen. I could be wrong. It's happened before. Uh, I mean, I'm sure something is shown at like CES, but I'm pretty sure they don't make a 4K screen that small my guess would be that it would be 480 or 4k output to your tv and then the native image on the screen would probably be 1080p at best would be my guess yeah and i just don't know if i mean what price point are they putting this thing at i'm guessing 400 again man just back at the like drop the i don't know yeah because you got the switch light out there at 200 and that you could drop the switch to two fifty, and then this one at three. But yeah, you you might be right, man. It might be four hundred, maybe. But I, that's like out of the realm of not me being able to like consider it. I think unless it's a necessity for a game or something, you know, like when they switch to the from the three DS to the two DS to make a more kind of like the switch to the Switch Lite to make a more marketable version of the 3ds you know that didn't make a lot of games obsolete but some of them you didn't have that 3d 3d uh capability anymore so then some of the games uh either didn't play or didn't play correctly on a 2ds so i would hate to have that be the case going forward for the switch pro or whatever you know yeah i mean it makes me think of when the new nintendo 3ds xl came out and it had the little control nub for like the second stick. Yeah. And yeah. that was the only, only if you had that second stick nub, could you play Xenoblade Chronicles or Xenoblade Chronicles re-released for the 3DS, I think. Um, I think it's Xenoblade Chronicles. And then it also like let you use that control nub in um, Majora's Mask 3D, which uh, was my excuse for getting it because Majora's Mask used to be my favorite <laughs> Zelda game. And so when I was replaying it, I was like, I have to have the control nub. Um, right on. But yeah, I I feel like N- Nintendo doesn't quite s- just like nail it every time that they're coming out with these like late gen upgrade models, but they do a good enough job of making them desirable that it doesn't matter that they don't quite iron out the fact that like certain games don't work anymore. Right. And usually, I don't know, man, maybe we're not further into the generation. I guess I dipped out on the 3ds pretty early on because I was an early adopter and got that early adopters thing where they gave you some SNES games. And I guess the ambassadors program where you got advance and NES games. Let me tell you, (laughs) I did too. Um, yeah. And then I sold that shit. Like it was a bad habit. Like I just got rid of it. And, uh, I don't think you can sell bad habits, but you know, I got mixed up with my metaphors. Anyway, you tried to sell your bad habit. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, it's, it's just so unlike Nintendo to be like, 
oh yeah, you think the Switch is slow, huh? Well, check out this souped-up, powered, fucking 4K beast we got coming at you now. Like, you know, doesn't that seem contradictory to Nintendo's, like, mantra, I guess? I definitely, like, their marketing is not the Xbox Series X is the most powerful home console you will ever play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't see them going that way, but I do think on the long time horizon of next gen hitting in November this year, they need to have something more powerful on the market in order to attract third-party developers and make it more reasonable that there would be cross-platform development for it. I think they need something that can say 4K on the box and kind of compete with the 4K generation of gaming that's coming up. Yeah. Um, Even though I know technically if you have like a PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox One X, you're already in that 4K generation. Um, But I think with everything going that way, I think they have to have something to compete. Um, I'm just going to be curious how they market it. Right, well, because this gen, they've gotten away with having, as I already, you know, The Witcher 3 is out on the Switch. And I mean, that has to be a feat in and of itself, putting that game on Switch, because it's a gorgeous game and it's a huge RPG. Um, So if, but if they're, like you just said, if they're going to continue being able to market to third-party software developers, then they kind of need something basically that can at least maybe run a lesser version of a PS5 or Xbox Series X game. You know what I mean? Kind of the same boat that they're in with the regular Switch uh, competing with the PS4 and Xbox One X. So, yeah, we it should be interesting, man. Definitely. I, I mean, I hope it's out there. And, you know, AJ isn't here, but he and I both are of a kin when I say, like, we have a really difficult time not, buying stupid shit like this even if we don't need it so i'm sure he and i I would probably be like yeah i don't really need one then they'd announce pre-orders and i'd be on it like white on rice so oh you mean just like how right before the recording of our podcast sony announced that you can apply for your chance to pre-order the ps5 yep (laughs) which is my i feel like i'm entering a lottery for a pair of sneakers yeah, which yeah, it's like the night. It's exactly like that. It's like the Nike app, dude. <laughs> oh my god! Which I've never uh, been chosen for that one either. So hopefully, maybe I'll get this one. Maybe they'll look at my platinum trophies and be like, "He really deserves a chance to pre-order this game, this system." Well, I know that's the thing. So um, this came via a news story from Gamespot, but it's just on the PlayStation website. Um, they're pre-order page is live for you to sign up with your PlayStation ID. And I think it takes both your ID or your email address you use to sign up for it. I hope I have no idea. I don't weird. I'm like, so not in the PlayStation ecosystem, right? I have a PS4 and I enjoy the games that are exclusive to it, but I've always been in the Xbox ecosystem for the last two generations. Right on. Um, and so I was like trying to guess my punctuation on my PSN ID yeah. and it's a little bit merit based from my understanding of it. Am I misreading oh, really? it? I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and check it. I like read the fine print. I just, but it was weird. I put in my PSN ID twice and hit 
like that captcha thing that I'm not a robot or whatever. And it's like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was it. Like, you know, no password or anything. May the odds be ever in your favor, everyone. If you, you, you know, knowing that we're out here on Friday uh, through some magic of time travel, like uh, <laughs> I hope everyone gets their PlayStation email and gets the opportunity to pre-order the privilege, yeah. the Thanks, pre-order Sony, privilege. For giving me a reason to be like losing sleep at night. I just know myself well enough to like, now I will just constantly check my Gmail on my phone, no matter where I am all the time to see if I got this stupid email. Well, speaking of things that will already be in the past by the time the episode comes out. I got out. this, dude. Check it out. In lieu of a normal, mostly normal question, how about we do this? Because there's not so much to talk about about uh, Gamescom opening night. Mm-hmm. How about we each say what is going to be what you want to see? Something that since and people, the listeners out there can write in and make fun of us or make fun of us on Twitter about how off we were because they will have be listening to this after it and we're recording before it. Ah, true. Let's make so, asses out of ourselves. So we're going to place bets now on the thing we most want out of Gamescom opening Using night live ball money. Yes. So my <laughs> betting cap, I think is at 320 coins. Okay. Um, I would like to place a hundred and 80 coins on dang i have nothing nothing i know like i'll go first i know keely was out tweeting out all of these things that are like for sure going to appear and show gameplay are we talking like what are we most excited to see or just like are we getting our hopes up and gonna be severely disappointed when i say severely disappointed I, I feel like Jeff Keeley builds hype like nobody else, man. And I, like, I think he's uh, delivered, you know, the last couple of game awards, man, have been fantastic. We've gotten at least one like phenomenal announcement at the last two game awards. I can't, you know, think of like Bayonetta three announcement. Um, fuck. Wasn't uh breath of the wild. No, I can't remember. Anyway, we get good announcements, so I have faith that Keeley will deliver, man. And I know we're in this weird COVID time, so I guess my prediction slash wish is I don't think Sony would announce slash go live with pre-orders, but I could 100% see Xbox uh, announcing their at least their price and when pre-orders are going live tomorrow during this. That actually, that doesn't feel that far away from possibility to me. Knowing how close Microsoft has worked with them in the past, especially around the Series X, I know there was kind of like the first reveal of what the system looks like at last uh, thing you were just talking about. The Game Awards. Wow. That's all right. I'm so, I'm so sweaty that I've I lost you're reality. And, like, you're going to pass out soon from heat stroke. Yeah. I am <laughs> recording shirtless and I'm glad I am because otherwise there would just be sweat patches everywhere. So in looking at the partners of Gamecom's, Gamescom 2020 list, I'm seeing Sega and Sega owns Atlas and Atlas creates Persona. 
And so I'm going to be mocked to the moon, but I think Sega's going to announce that Persona 4 Golden is coming to the Nintendo Switch and it will oh, be man. a, and you can buy it right now. Like right now? Yes. That I could totally see, dude, because I think everybody's so focused on Persona 5 possibly coming to the Switch. And I do think that a Persona 4 Golden would like bring some disappointment to some people, but I think that would be fucking fantastic if that happened. Yes, I or can. The, <laughs> I the, can. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm roasting myself and I'm going to just throw another hundred hour JRPG onto my switch and just slowly, slowly have it disappear into the depths of my storage. <laughs> exactly. That's, dude, that's what it happened to P4G on my Vita too. It's just kind of sitting there hanging out, waiting for me to pick it back up. I'm halfway through two different JRPGs on my Twitch <laughs> and then took a break and I'm now playing through Final Fantasy VII Remake instead. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, yeah. I'm excited that would be great. to shame myself further when yeah. <laughs> either this news doesn't happen or it does. And now I own Persona 4 Golden in the near future. Um, yeah, and I, it's... Uh, yeah, or you know that Persona Five Scramble I think has already come out that uh, in uh, Japan maybe uh, that Muso game or is that how you pronounce it? Kind of like D- Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, I think that is kind of still waiting to be released here in the West. Yeah. I knowing that it's a direct sequel to the game and knowing how much I love the vibe of Persona Five is almost enough to tip me into I will play a Muso game just to have more of the vibe. Yeah. I don't I haven't played any of those types of games since uh Dynasty Warriors when I was in freaking high school. So that tells you how long Dynasty Warriors has been around. I think it was on PS2 or actually I know it was. Yeah, for um, sure. But you know, I I'm not a huge Persona fan, but I loved the look of that game. So if they shadow drop that tomorrow, I mean or even said like, you know, it's coming out in a couple months or whatever. I would be stoked about that. I think that game looks pretty sweet. So I, I don't know, man. I got faith that we'll get something pretty cool other than the things that have already been announced. So anyway, well, with that in line, let's uh, get out of here so you don't die of heat stroke and I can hear my son yelling in the other room. So um, I better get in there to help out. But luckily um, we can't hear him over the mic so hey everything's that's why i bought that this nice mic dude (laughs) almost that reason exclusively (laughs) and my wife's baths she she always taking baths like right when we would hit record then everybody would hear my fucking water running through the house it was pretty ridiculous well i'm i'm taking a bath in my own sweat but uh, (laughs) that does it for our show today um thank you all so much for joining us this week and listening to the pod uh do us a huge favor and jump on the Apple podcast app and give us a review. I would love to see some five-star reviews for our five-star podcast, but I'll leave the rate up to you. Just go out and give us a rating. That really helps get the word out about the podcast, helps us get up and circulate out there in the world of the podcast competitive universe. John, where can everybody keep up with you on the interweb? They could find me at Johnny Samsonite on the Twitter. You can follow the podcast at M and Gamers Podcast on Twitter or email us at podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. You can go to our website and sign up for our newsletter that will be coming out soon. And you can follow AJID at something. 
at AJ underscore ID. Um, tweet him directions to escape the lost woods. Yeah. If you know, if you know how to help him get back in time for the next podcast, we would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at VG occasion where I will occasionally tweet thoughts about video games. Yeah. Sign up for our newsletter, the mostly normal monthly, which will be coming out in the next week. He said to hold himself accountable. (laughs) Exactly. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening and go play. Yeah. Bye. Bye.